And we're back. Another episode of Talking Maiden. The podcast of the beast. Of the beast. How you doing, Nesbeth? I'm doing good. How you doing? Another pandemic podcast. Yeah, another one. Yeah, the end is nigh, though. (laughs) We uh, had some good uh, feedback from Tyranny of Souls last week. Yes, we did. People liked it. That was a fun one to do. People loved it. There was uh, some interesting comments on Facebook. Most people were... Most people like the album. No one really came out and said they didn't like it. Yeah, everyone pretty much said it's great, but you really guys uh, really need to listen to Accident of Birth more. <laughs> yeah, there was quite a, a few comments about your take on it. My take? Oh, yeah. on the Facebook? I didn't see any of the Facebook comments. Okay, well, a few people were giving you giving you the gears, and then there was a few oh, yeah. Nesbit uh, Nesbit fanboys <laughs> chiming in. Nesbit was right. Uh, let's get into a beer today. We have. This is from Unibrew. This is another one from Quebec. This is a Toute Le Monde, which is uh, the Megadeth beer. So Iron Maiden, we've done a bunch of Iron Maiden beers. This is our first Megadeth beer. So uh, it says dry hopped Saison Ale. So even though it's Megadeth, I'm still going to play the, uh, I'm not going to play a Dave Mustaine clip. I'll play our regular Bruce Dickinson beer clip. (laughs) Do not spend your time worrying about those Wasted beer. The Megadeth beer. Okay. Are you a big Megadeth fan? Um, not really. I mean, I I've never really listened to much Megadeth. Just when I was younger. I'm a, like a medium. <laughs> I would say I'm a medium Megadeth fan. You're a medium. Yeah, I I I had a few albums. I had like a couple of cassettes, and they were like used cassettes. Like friends yeah. of mine gave to me. I don't think I've ever bought a Megadeth album, to be honest with you. I had Rust in Peace, and I think that's it. Yeah. Some of my favorite songs, Hangar 18, I think. Actually, this uh, Toot Le Monde is actually a, a, they have a song called that. I think it's in in Euthanasia, maybe, the album that it's on. What does Toot Le Monde mean, anyway? Is that that everywhere? Or everyone? Everybody? Everyone? I think it means, like, all the world, if you translate it literally. It's everywhere, isn't it? I think it means every one. Is it every one? I don't know. So yeah, we did get a lot of feedback from Tyranny Souls. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of people saying they couldn't believe that we didn't know accident of birth. Yeah. Well, I, I am know. pretty like familiar. Like I know Dark Side of Aquarius and like huh. Freak and Road to Hell, Man of yep. Sorrows, the title track. So I, I'm familiar with it. Yeah. I just don't know it. Like there's songs on there that I don't know very well. I'm not familiar with it the way I'm familiar with like the other albums. Yeah. So I also went and listened to, uh, we got a few people recommended those Halford albums that Roy Z did. Uh, and I listened yes. to Cruc- Crucible and I can't, Resurrection, I think might be the, I can't remember the name of it, but the first two Halford albums that are yeah. co-written and produced by Roy Z and they're pretty awesome too. Yeah. That was my kind of takeaway from that album is he's, he's a pretty impressive man. You can oh, keep yeah. Bruce, you know, you can keep uh, Bruce on track. Also got a message left by Peter Martins. Um, he's talking about these Bruce Dickinson solo albums. Hello, Nesbitt. Hello, Josh. This is Peter from Sweden. A huge fan of both the podcast and Iron Maiden. I really enjoy the coverage of Tyranny of Souls. Great job in both episodes. One of Bruce's best solo efforts by far. Although most of the accolades should, of course, go to Roy C for creating such a musical masterpiece. One thing that I re- that really surprised me was that both of you haven't really listened or given Bruce's album Accident of Birth a real chance. To me, it's his best work, closely after The Chemical Wedding. I would also say that Tyranny of Soul is the real sequel to Accident of Birth, since um, The Chemical Wedding is a lot more like dark and moody, almost gothic in both the music and the overall artwork. Accident of Birth is more like heavy metal, like Tyranny of Souls. So you really need to give it a proper chance and hopefully also an episode on the podcast. On Accident of Birth, you have songs like Star Children with a great Deep Purple Black Sabbath vibe. Dark Side of Aquarius is also a great track, almost progressive metal in a way. Then you have Road to Hell, which could easily be a classic Iron Maiden track. The Magician, Welcome to the Pit, I mean, they're all great songs, so I could go on forever. Then the album closes with Arc of Space, which is one of the most beautiful melodies ever sung by Bruce. All right, that's all for me. Check the album out. Up the irons. It's a good take. Yeah. A good take on uh, Accident of Birth, which I've been listening to a bit yeah. this week, a bit more. I'm gonna. It's my goal now to like learn that album inside out. 
But yeah, that song, Road to Hell, we've talked about Road to Hell before. Yeah. It's an awesome song. Maybe it's worth a listen. Uh, he's a good dude, man. He sent in some uh, photos of hunting and stuff. Uh, he's a oh, yeah, hunter yeah. and a yeah. uh, good dude. Anyway, they're in Sweden. He's, I, I, you know, it amazes me. I know they do a lot of, um, well, Sweden is a, is a vast wilderness, especially up north. Um, but that's um, that's awesome. Yeah, I, I think he's he's got a good perspective on it. And I think he, through the emails, he kind of came out. He was more or less along in, in line with the. Uh, my opinion on skunk works if i recall recall correctly um yeah. and you know so accident of birth may be worth a listen worth a bit more focus yeah we did get a few more emails on skunk works yeah um I something i wanted to mention about skunk works which is uh yeah so the bass player for skunk works is chris dale uh yeah. he was in the scream for me sarajevo doc he's the bass player um, yeah. So on YouTube, his YouTube username is ChrisDale77, and he recently put a ton of cool stuff up about Skunk Works. So like Space Race is the opening track on that album, which I think is an awesome song, and uh, he recently just put the demo up of that song. Uh, here's a clip of the oh. demo of Space Race. So that's kind of cool. You can hear the riff. And then the production mm. rehearsals, which are like kind of rehearsals before they go into the studio. He put a version of Space Race, the production, the pre-production rehearsal version, which is kind of cool. It's kind of cool to hear them do a rough version. And they're pretty raw sounding. So it's kind of cool. If you're into Skunk Works and you want to hear these, look up uh, Chris Dale 77 on YouTube. And uh, like, I'm a sucker for all this kind of like early versions and you know demos and stuff. So yeah, anyway. you love that. Look, the <laughs> the one takeaway from the Skunk Works stuff is independent of my opinion. A lot of people love it, or at least the 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 people that love it love emailing us. <laughs> <laughs> people feel one or very, the other. very passionate about that album one way or the other. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Another thing yeah. people emailed us about a whole bunch is, so on YouTube, Joe Lazarus, which is Steve Harris's nephew, and Richie Faulkner, who is the current guitar player for Judas Priest, they did a bunch of uh, Maiden covers on YouTube, like remotely recorded. They did Phantom of the Opera, Alexander the Great, and To Tame a Land. And uh, yeah. man, they're really great versions. Both of them like do awesome takes. You know what I mean? We always peg Joe Lazarus yeah. as being Nico's replacement, which I don't That's know. That's your take, you know, which which I bought into. And this just yeah. seems like more audition stuff, doesn't it? It's it, it's interesting, although to me, if 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 it was in the bag, he wouldn't have as much license to be doing this stuff. You know what I mean? Yeah, maybe. Iron Maiden tend to not, you know, they're not 
releasing a lot of stuff like that. But uh, he, he's a great drummer. And the, the versions they do are great. Yeah. Like, here is a clip of To Tame a Land. So yeah, they're they're awesome. They're pretty cool. Yeah. And, so, and where can people find that? That's on YouTube. It? Just look it up yeah. on YouTube. But uh, Richie Faulkner and Joe Lazarus. So they were both in the band Voodoo Six at one point. Mm. I'm not sure if they're both in the same band at the same time, but they were both in there. And Richie Faulkner was actually the guitar player for Lauren Harris. So there's another really? connection there. Yeah. So there's a bit more connection there with, between. Joe yeah, because Joe and, and Lauren Faulkner. are first cousins. Do you have That's the? Right. You got the family tree there, don't you, Nesbitt? <laughs> We're working on it. Um, I got another cool email. This one from someone named Philip. Uh, he. It's a long email. There's one part which I haven't really gotten into yet, where he's breaking down these like guitar chord progressions that Maiden uses in a whole bunch of songs, which I'm mm. going to dig into and like check out. But there's another thing he mentions in this email, and he says. Uh, Something I noticed about the Talisman. The amazing solo midway through by Yannick really feels like a form of musical onomatopoeia, by which I mean I think it's a great example of Maiden telling a story through just music. They create the sound of a storm with a driving guitar by Dave, where he slams the whammy bar down as Yannick is playing these hectic high notes and Adrian and the rhythm is starting and stopping through chords. The chord stabs sound like huge waves, the quick notes create a rain, and the dive bombs sound like the creaking of a wooden ship, or maybe the wind. I think this is a really clever way of painting a picture with music. It's the most effective times Maiden do it. I couldn't agree more. You know how much, how huge of a fan of the Talisman I am. It's one of my all-time favorite uh, Maiden songs of all time. So this is an excuse for me to play the Talisman solo again, but uh, this is an awesome guitar solo, and I agree with everything he says. Yeah, the only problem with that talisman is it's just too 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 damn short now if only there was a 40 minute version that we could listen to when we drive to the cabin like you used to subject me to this beer circle back on because we never really talked about what type of beer is this it's a dry hopped saison yeah this is good this this uh label is deadly too i'm not a megadeth guy what is that is that like a you know That's some Vic megadeth icon it's is it? Vic Rattlehead, who is like the, I think he's yeah. a ripoff of Eddie. Yeah. Like Maiden came oh, out with makes... like Eddie and then a whole bunch of metal bands came out with their version of Eddie and Vic Rattlehead is yeah. their version. Who's kind of cool, but not nearly as cool as Eddie, if you ask me. Oh God, not even comparable. <laughs> so you saw the the message I sent you. Um, I took our image, uh, Talking Maiden Eddie, which yep. was our Eddie. Yep. And I enlarged his mouth and I was made a mask out of it right. for like a, a pandemic math. So yeah. I, I sent it off to Luke and Luke's yep. going to edit it up better. 
and we oh, might get some, make talking, some talking made, made masks. Yeah, oh, that's kind of gonna be cool. You know, if you if you wear a mask, which is okay, I think wearing masks makes sense in a lot of cases. They're pretty soon they're going to make you wear a condom with your wife, but that's a whole other story. But uh, <laughs> look, I'm looking at getting some some taco made masks done up. Oh, that'd be cool, man. That's well, a good it's idea. Luke Callanan special. Yeah, I know. Yeah. And ironically, Luke lives in China, so that's we should true. be mask tabulous. He's over there. He's masked up. Um, what else in the news? There's a uh, new maiden football jerseys, which yeah, I don't know. They're uh, peace of mind, fear of the dark, and power slave themed jerseys. And they're just in Latin America for now. Uh, I don't think they either any of these three are actually very cool looking compared to the other maiden jerseys I've seen. All right, before we get into the jerseys, yep, because um, we should break them down. I, I want to kind of give you something that's been in my head um, because we we talked about it um, in a previous podcast, and I kind of went off and dwelled on it. Okay. Um, maybe it's their engagement during the thing. Maybe it's the canceled shows. Maybe it's the supporting the smaller bands. I don't know where I'm coming from, but as soon as I saw this, cause you sent them through, I saw it in my email uh, as well on my alerts. And I was like, ugh. like I, I just kind of got this negative reaction. I was like, I don't want to spend all this money on maiden gear right now. And not because, you know, a, I wasn't blown away by them. Yeah. But like two things are kind of itching me right now. Um, one is I'm like, release the new album or some new gear, some something new. Yeah. Or B, release all the footage and the good stuff. Like, don't sell me another shirt. Like, you know what I mean? I'm, I'm yeah. kind of in that mindset. And then the other thing is when you look at the price tag, I'm like, man, there's stuff like local guys like Matt Mays, you know, for those of us in Eastern Canada, the stuff he's putting out. Uh, Night Demon, we, we were showing some stuff. We got some, uh, we, we, we did some stuff with him recently. We're going to hopefully get them on soon. Um, there's so many different bands reaching out. There's so much stuff going on that your dollar can go so much further. And I, I don't know. I just, as soon as I saw it, I was like, really, really, I don't know. Am I wrong? Uh, well, there's constant churning out of new maiden merch. It seems like, did you see the remastered? They're called remastered tour shirts from the eighties. Yes. They're garbage. They're, I think they're kind of cool. Well, they're not garbage. I think Some they're kind of cool. cool. I think they're very cool, actually. Except, do you know? How, did you see how much they are? They're like seven. One of them's seventy-seven. One of them's like eighty-five dollars. But I saw those and I was like, oh, cool. And I saw the price and I was like, man, I don't know. <laughs> those should, were the ones with the with the original, um, you know, it was like the Miami straight that stuff. One. Yeah, we went through that last podcast. No, these are I, not I, those I, ones. Or, You're talking about the fortieth anniversary ones. These are like. The Alamo 83, uh, Texas 82. There's a one that's like a Miami Vice-themed one. Uh, I can't remember what the other one is. I think it's a New York one. But they're so expensive. And I was like, maiden shirts are already overpriced. And now you're going to put one out that's like two or three times as expensive. I don't know. I, I thought that was a little bit uh, overpriced, if you ask me. Oh, yes, yes. No, you're talking about the, the, the T-shirts. The remastered Just the, T-shirts, the, yeah. Yes, yeah, I did see them. I thought it was like they're they're amazing. These are awesome. Yeah. I want these, but like at eighty four bucks. So that's I saw these crazy. maiden new new maiden football jerseys, and you know what? Yeah. If these well, they're only available in Latin America right now. But well, uh, the other thing I found funny was like all the headlines are like Iron Maiden now has their own line of soccer jerseys, and I'm like, whoever wrote this article for whatever metal website obviously doesn't know that Maiden has had football jerseys. For like years and years. I know. Like remember the West Ham ones that came out a little while ago? Yeah. Book of Souls had a cool black one. I had a couple of yeah. ones. In the Final Frontier, there was a red one. I like Brave New World had them. I got a Maiden England 2012 one that I wear to concerts all the time. Yeah. What's your blue one? That's the Maiden England. Tour, that's the Maiden yeah. England one. Yeah. That's yeah. Because you've got two. Uh, I have a hockey jersey in them. And okay, a rugby jersey. And a rugby jersey. Yeah. <laughs> that's right. Um. The you have the figure skating leotard as well. When you just don't talk about it on the podcast. That's that's for special cabin times, guys. <laughs> Virtual Eleven is that when this all these uh, football jerseys started with Maiden? Because they had a very football themed thing. Like even the Eddie on stage wore a Maiden Virtual Eleven yeah. football jersey. I wonder if that's where it started, yeah. or if they came. I wonder if that's the first. That was the moment where they all got together. That if you punch, they're like, "Guys, we can't keep it in the closet anymore. We're we're we're, we're football fans, you know. No one expects an English rock band to to be into this, but you know what? <laughs> you know what? I don't care. We're gonna do it." And they're like, "Do you think our fans will approve sports?" <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
So, yeah, Maiden in Football. Oh, another Maiden in Football thing. I sent you this link last week. Uh, we had a listener named Phil who sent it to us, and it was a... It's on YouTube. It's called Panorama Millwall 1977. And it's a documentary from 1977 about soccer or football hooligans. And uh, there's one scene where they're interviewing these, like, Millwall supporters. And it's inside a pub. Like, some I didn't catch the name of the pub. And there's yeah. in the background, there's this random unnamed band playing in the corner of this, like, tiny pub that, you know, they're interviewing these people in. And uh, yeah. it's Adrian Smith with Urchin. In 1977, yeah. and they're playing She's a Roller. Yeah. You hit someone back and you get nicked 50 pound fine. But for hitting a geezer back, it, it just bottled you. It's always the same here. Tall stories measured out by the pint. Amplified hard rock. The constant search for excitement and sensation for anything that will make these lads' lives seem less humdrum. In such a charged atmosphere, tempers are short and physical violence easily provoked. Oh, they're down there now. Even my bird's gone right, I was gonna smash her in the chin. What can you say? It's not our fault, is it? So that was kind of cool. It's really early yeah. footage of Adrian in Urchin. And man, they're so tight, they sound awesome. Everyone should go find this yeah. this video, Panorama Millwall 1977, and check it out. They're just like yeah. background in this scene, but man, I was like, it's Adrian. <laughs> and after that, I went on this like YouTube rabbit hole watching documentaries about soccer hooligans in the 70s and 80s. Yeah. I watched like, I don't know how, how long. I watched like every documentary about hooliganism from yeah. the 70s and 80s. But uh, you know what? I still don't love Weekend Warrior any better. <laughs> <laughs> that that more or less sums up my and basically all of my YouTube right now is you send me a link about about uh, about you know um, oh check out this in Iron Maiden four four uh, four videos later I'm I'm figuring out what really happened before Kurt Cobain died six later I'm perfecting my sourdough starter nine videos later I'm like I'm looking at my girlfriend going. It, money is just printed. There's no gold anymore. Like, it's, it's nothing. Like, that's, that's where all of it goes. It always goes to the same place. And then at the end, I'm like, oh, my God, we got to start saving up gold and silver. I mean, you need silver for day-to-day -day goods and gold for buying land in the apocalypse. And she's just looking at me like, and I'm like, okay, back to the starter, sourdough starter. Oh, man. But uh, anyway, it's a cool documentary, and I was very surprised yeah. that Adrian popped up the way he did. It was cool. I love Urchin. Episode 104, yeah. if anyone wants to hear us talking about Urchin for an hour. Um, yeah. And hearing clips of Adrian. But that was yeah. another football-related thing that I kind of forgot about. Um, I also registered this weekend. Um, there was this webinar. Uh, it's called All Access Hits with David Frangioni. And it was basically the Zoom call you had to register for, and they send you an invitation. It was called that's All... Every, that's every... That's every Zoom call. You, you all for it, you're like, I got access to the Zoom call. You sound like my dad. <laughs> no, but it wasn't like a one-on-one -on -one thing. It was like a mass one. It was probably thousands of people watching it. That's what I mean. Yeah. It wasn't like a regular Zoom call. It was like a mass yeah. thing. An hour and 20 minutes. It was called uh, All Access Hits with host David Frangioni, Eric Singer of Kiss, and Nico McBrain of Iron Maiden. So it was an hour and 20 minutes of them talking about, mostly Nico actually, talking about drumming. And it was pretty cool. They talked a lot about like equipment and stuff. And uh, Nico talked about how he came up with the intro to Where Eagles Dare. And it was 
pretty much what we said in our Peace of Mind episode, so we got that right. He said his drum one shop is going to be opening in a few weeks, and you can still come in and play drums, but you have to bring your own sticks now. You can't use, like, the shop sticks. Um, so that's the drum one. That's the Man- that's the shop in Manchester. In Manchester. Yeah. And then they asked him at the end what his favorite songs to play by Iron Maiden are. Well, I love all the Maiden songs, all of them. The, the, the least favorite ones, very few. But uh, my all-time, all-time favorite Maiden tracks, Hallow Be Thy Name. And... Um, Hallowed has always been, and that's off the, off the uh, Number of the Beast album. When I first joined in 83, or my first touring with Maiden, it was part of the, it was a stable song, like Iron Maiden, which finishes the set. Hallowed, Number of the Beast had always been there, Trooper, from, from Peace of Mind. Now, onwards. So you get stable songs, like Fear of the Dark's always played now. And, and, and Hallowed was played every tour since I joined the band until about five years ago. And there were some issues with some copyright, you know, um, plagiarism. Some guy accused the band of this and, and there, you know, it went to court and we decided, Harry turned around, we're not playing it. Now, here's the thing, because it's my favorite song and it's Steve's favorite song to play. I said, if you ever decide not to do it, I'm leaving the band. And the reason that song, it's always, it's, there's something about the, the, the first couple of verses are sweet. Uh, you know, it's easy, you know, easy going. And then it gets into the solo section. There's three kind of slow sections in the solo. And, they dr- and it drives in a dynamic from here to here to here. Then you've got to come back out and bring everything back down for the, for the last verse and choruses. Um, but there's a there's a, a passion in that one song that just gets me every. It's like I've never. It's like the first time I played it. It's one of those songs that it's, it never gets old for me. And to be honest, none of them do. Um, um, Flight of Icarus was one of my least favorite songs, but we 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 pulled it out of retirement on the Legacy of the Beast tour. And now we found the right niche because it, it was too slow when we recorded it, but it, it dragged at the at the recorded tempo. And now it's got a really nice, comfortable feeling. So, um, yeah, that and, and Where Eagles Dare, it's it's just one of those songs that I love to play because it is, it's a drummer's track. It, you know, there's so many different nuances in, in it within the solo section and the bass drum parts change a little bit. And um, So, Hallowed Be Thy Name is his favorite song to play. Man, I was loving that till he gave Icarus grief. <laughs> Although he says he now likes I'm it like, now. Bring on, bring, on, bring on Lazarus. Bring on Lazarus. I'm done with him. <laughs> no, man. That's, though, he, uh, he hit the reason. He hit the reason that everybody loves the, the song. Yeah. It's Hallowed true. is. Hallowed it's be thy name. I was watching this uh, Zoom call and uh, <laughs> I was sitting there in front of my computer listening and listening for Nico. I was like, please slip up. Say something about a 17th album. I was hoping he'd be like, you know, in Iron Maiden, we did 17 albums. I'd be like, he got it. He admitted it. The new album is done. Oh my god! <laughs> he, and not only that, you're recording it, so like I that, did. I that just it, happened. Yeah. But now the primary source for that is Nesbitt's archives. He's gonna have that Zoom polished <laughs> away. Someone will come to talk to him in the future. Be like, did did uh, Nico ever say? Oh, let me pull out my scroll. Uh, there was a Zoom call of which I RSVP'd, and uh, <laughs> that's gonna be you. Um, anyway. That was uh, I, I I could listen to Nico talk for like hours and hours and hours. He's so entertaining, so it was uh, it was pretty fun. Cool. So uh, that's what I was up to this week. <laughs> that's about it for me. News, doing. but uh, now we got a lot of feedback to get into a ton. Cool. What are we? What on what? On miscellaneous things, and we never did get into Brave New World. We should get into some of that because I mean. We did seven hours on Brave New World, and then we had all these emails. And remember, we're kind of like, let's just give Brave New World a break. But now it's been like a month since we did Brave New World, and I'm like, I think we kind of left it too long, so we should probably get into it. (laughs) Feels like longer than a month, doesn't it? Was it longer than a month? It's just because everything seems like a long time now. Oh, before we get into that, do you want to get into a Iron Maiden cover? Hmm. Let's get into this. This will be fun. This is because it's <laughs> that's directed. One of those, that's one of those where you're like, hey, Josh, do you want to do this? I'm like, well, not really. Anyway, Josh, here's what I was going to say. <laughs> well, Keep the reason going. is it's an email directed at you. I don't know if you saw it coming in. It's from Tony. Oh, God. He says, I yeah. recently became aware of a great maiden cover by the band Elvin King from Italy. It is an extra track that they recorded during the Reader of the Rune sessions and released it for their fans to hold them over during this international emergency. 
I thought it would be great to get Josh's opinion on it since he liked the song but did not like Bruce's singing on it when he covered that album. Well, here it is with a different singer. Yes, so what that's do you think right. Of this version? I think that's better. Yeah, I figured you would. This yeah. is a really, really it, great version, I think. One of the best yeah. covers we've done, I think. It's, it's funny eh, how things have gone, because I'm like the biggest Bruce fanboy in the world, but if you if you read feedback, people think I'm always ripping on him. <laughs> I know. You know? But uh, yeah, no, that, that just the way he always leaned into that, I just I hated it. Yeah, so uh, anyway. It's an interesting take on it. Yeah, it's pretty cool. It's very similar, yeah. but has a bit of a different feel. It's kind of cool. Yeah. I well, like tell Tony version. thanks to send sending that in. That's awesome. <laughs> Definitely a far better far better version. Now, how good Oh, I would never say better. How good would that singer do Can I Borrow a Feeling? <laughs> <laughs> how good could that be? Um, one more email I want to get to that's not related to Brave New World. What do we always say about Michael Kenny whenever we're talking about Michael Kenny? We always call him like the seventh member. Seventh of member, yeah. <laughs> so we got an email from Perry. He says, first, I have to say I've met all the members of the band and most of the killer crew, and they are all very cool, and most of them will take a picture if you ask nicely, and they aren't busy doing something else. Uh, he's talking about Michael Kenny. He says, I met him backstage at the last Toronto show. I asked him for a picture, and he flat out refused, which is fine. Not everyone wants their picture taken. I then remarked something like, no problem, I just wanted to pick with you because you're practically in the band. He gave me a cold stare and said sternly, I most definitely am not in the band. And that ended the conversation pretty quickly. <laughs> I just told that story to Yannick and Adrian's text in a pub, and they just kind of laughed as in typical Michael. Wow. So Michael Kenny apparently is, I know he's not an official member, but we always say he's like a live touring member. The way that guy... What's his name? Boomer Gaspar in Pearl Jam. Yeah. He's a member. I don't know. And Michael Kenny's always contributing keyboards, and he plays live with them. He plays keyboards. So to me, he's kind of like, I always think of him as like this unsung, unseen member of Maiden, but apparently he is not. Well, that points, <laughs> to, like that points to one of two things. Either bitterness. Yeah. yeah. He wishes he was. Or he's an eccentric weirdo who just wouldn't make it. You know, in a band or, or just doesn't like people. And maybe that's part of the reason that he's... I think he doesn't want to be, like, tied up in the Maiden machine like that, I guess. Yeah. No. Who'd want to be tied up in the Maiden machine on stage <laughs> when you can be falling around without the credit slightly off stage? Yeah. I mean, Nesbitt, it makes sense. It's a, you know, no, 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 wait, no. You get the touring schedule. You get the you get all the all the good things, like the travel and the, and the practicing and all that stuff. But you don't have all that annoying stuff, like the money and the drugs and sex and fame. Yeah, but he's also or Steve Harris's bass tech. Yeah. And he plays keyboards, so I think he's just kind of happy to be that and, you know, yeah. doesn't want the attention in the... Yeah, or maybe he legitimately that. feels when people say that stuff, it overplays his role, that he has such respect for the guy. So there's real ways to ex- explain that stuff. Just interesting to talk about. Do you remember when we were in Toronto and we went to the Maiden pre-party and we were talking to Dave Shuttleworth? Um, yeah. Oh, yes, 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 Dave. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So he. Yeah, that he was day one. Kind of familiar. Toronto. Day two. That was the before day two. That was day. The second show. The second of the two Toronto shows. Oh, that was day one. Because the first one I took my daughter with too, and the second one was the one where we went to this, <laughs> went to the meeting show. So we were talking, but do you remember we we're talking to Dave Shuttleworth, and he has a Steve Harris signature bass. No, you're right. It was second one. Sorry, go on. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So he has a Steve Harris signature bass and a Steve Harris Sans amp. He has all the gear. And he is, you know, in contact with Michael Kenny. And he's getting uh, advice from Michael Kenny on setting up his, like, Steve Harris bass. And he kind of said, he never said anything specific about Michael Kenny. But I kind of picked up that Michael Kenny kind of doesn't like the attention. I kind of, So this is more, like, hmm. another example of that. Interesting. He never said anything specific, but I kind of got the the feeling that he kind of, like 
doesn't like the attention and the fans kind of bugging him and stuff like that. So yeah, Dave's a good dude. Two maiden tattoos. Oh, yeah. Uh, bought us a lot of uh, troopers. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Free concert, which is great. Love guys like that. He's awesome, man. Great guy. That was a good time. Do you want to get into Brave New World feedback now? Yeah, let's do it. Here's an interesting one, because I actually did some digging for this one. Uh, I got an email from Aiden, and he says about Nico. In my opinion, Brave New World was his best drum work and a great comeback after the disappointing pounding on Virtual 11. The other interesting thing about Nico on this album is that his snare is sampled. What they did was take his drum performance and layer a triggering snare over it, creating a powerful drum sound. Many people call the Shirley era the overproduced era because of this. I personally really like the production on this album and the drums especially, although not as much as the ones after it. Just an interesting thing to bring up, I think. Greetings from the Netherlands. So drum triggers are basically you like you record what your snare sounds like and sample it and then you put a trigger on your drum. So when you hit the drum, instead of recording the sound of the drum, it triggers the pre-recorded snare sound. Yeah, it takes the variance out of it too, right? Yeah. I read a lot about this online trying to get to the bottom of this. And I saw a lot of people that are like, drum triggers are cancer. Drum triggers are not drumming. And some people think they're great. There's like purists, I don't know. But I looked and looked trying to find anything about Nico using drum triggers and I couldn't find anything. But I found Nico in 2016 in an interview and he said, you know what? My thoughts are that we play an acoustic instrument. If you're going to play electric drums, play electric drums. Don't put them on an electric on an acoustic drum set. Why would you do that? Why would you play an electronic trigger on an acoustic drum? And he also said, the only person I respect who plays an electronic drum kit is Rick Allen from Def Leppard. It works for him because he's only got one arm. So I found a few interviews where he really, really doesn't like triggers. Or he, and I was like, I, I don't know if this is true about the drumming on Brave New World. But then I found December 1992 issue of Modern Drummer magazine. He's talking about Fear of the Dark. And he's talking about the album Before No Prayer. And he there's one line in there. He says, we discussed the drum sound in full before we did the new album. They wanted to bring my drum sound out again, and I felt good about that. This was the first time we recorded digitally. I completely rethought my approach. I wanted to investigate sampling and triggering my drums. So that's what he's talking about, Fear of the Dark. So I can't find anything about this. So maybe he's rated his drum triggers, and maybe that's why the drums sound like that on Brave New World. Yeah. But I Googled and Googled and lots of forum posts where people are sure of it. If anybody knows about this, email me because I spent like way too much more time than I should have trying to figure out if Nico McBrain uses drum triggers on Brave New World. Yeah. And it depends how many, how many, you know, isolated, you know, drum tracks they have for, for each of these songs. Like they could, it could feel, because the problem with triggers is, you know, can kind of remove your emotion and stuff. Like uh, that's the whole value, I guess. I guess the, you know, maybe I don't. I don't understand that. Like, is it is it they want, uh, you know, a consistent beat sound? Is it because they're trying to compete with like electronic generated rhythm sections? I don't understand what the, what the value is. Like, yeah, I think uh, it's just like when you hit your hit a drum. Yeah. You could hit it different places on the drum head, and it makes it and and. You know, hit it harder sometimes or lighter other times, and it sounds slightly different. Of course, but that's which but I that's, think is the good part of the playing, right? Yeah, but that's 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 you know, the, other than fatigue, that's part of the emotion, right? Is like it, when you exactly. hit at a higher rate, yeah. you hit you hit on a different angle and you hit wider, and there's there's all yeah. kinds of things that that change, and that's part of it. Like the the emotion that people like, you know, when, when that's why when they're playing live, sometimes drummers are, can be so awesome is because they're just hammering into the kit because they also feel yeah. that they have to. It's just that live concept they don't realize the main, and just that's why drums can be so awesome live. So I don't, I don't, yeah. you know, to me it's just that's just wrong. I mean, you might as well play the drums on a keyboard. <laughs> you know, it's the same thing. I think well, depending see, on I don't what know the trigger is. It. Yeah. Hmm. Well, you're actually hitting the yeah the drum, but it's just. Yeah, it was a key. I don't know. I'm, I'm talking like I know all about this, but yeah. I know I spent like two hours reading about it, so I barely know what I'm talking about. But there is a debate over how manufactured the actual sand right. is. Yeah, but uh, I don't know. And I went back and listened to Brave New World, and I don't know what to think. Plus, yeah. I don't know. I do. Apparently, I do. 
It's awesome. <laughs> I, yeah. I don't listen to it going, hey, is this true? I'm listening to it going, we're blood brothers. I'm just cranking up. I'm like, uh, and I'm crying. I got I got your picture. And I'm crying. I'm like, when are we going to have a beer and a real person? But we've got a bunch of listeners that are drummers. So mm. maybe one of them will write us and be like, give us a yes or no on this. Because I couldn't find anything on the internet. Well, I couldn't find, I found a few people talking about it, but I couldn't find any evidence one way or the other. And then, and then all of a sudden there's just this like dot, dot, dot. And you're like, the CIA is on to me. Nesbitt's found the bottom of the internet. We need to stop this guy. Uh, we got another email from Robin from Sweden. Yeah. It says, hey guys, Sweden calling. Been listening to you for six months and really enjoy your show. It helps me through the day. Anyway, Brave New World is the album that got me into Maiden. At the age of 13, I wasn't into music at all. Then I heard Out of the Silent Planet, and that changed my life. I've been a musician for the past 18 years, doing tours and recording albums, and I have Brave New World to thank for that. It really changed my life. Keep doing what you're doing. Love the show. Robin from Sweden. So that's cool. Out of the Silent Planet is awesome. Yeah, it's deadly. But man, he's, he's a real musician. Yeah, that's really All because cool. of Out of the Silent Planet. Wow, yeah. what a great track. Oh, I love that song. And I miss this album. It's been like a month since we've been talking about it. And I already missed Brave New World. Um, very soon on the podcast, me and Josh are going to do a kind of a discography review mm-hmm. where we're going to start at the first album and we're going to go through all the albums again. Yeah. After we're done going through all the albums, then we're going to have an episode where we rank the albums. Yeah. And I'm telling you right now, Brave New World is going to jump way up from way where up. it was when we started the podcast. It's up there then. It's up there yeah. then. I am Blaze Bailey. You're listening to Talking Maiden, the podcast of the beast. Possibly the best podcast in the world. Another email from our buddy Maxim. Love the Brave New World series. Terrific job, guys. I've been thinking a lot about what Josh said about Brave New World being one of the most important Maiden albums. I think it's similar to the number of the beast in this sense. Both albums relaunched Maiden's career into the stratosphere and defined their sound for years to come. So there's Maxim agreeing with you, Josh. Oh, well, you know what? You, you, you can't be in better company with Maxim when he's, uh, when he's agreeing with you. He's disagreed with us enough. We've, got, we've gotten a few telling offs over the day. <laughs> no, but yeah, I mean, when, that was what hit me. I mean... It's funny how, you know, sometimes you just set, it's like a wisdom thing, isn't it? It's like as you get older, sometimes you step back and you put things in perspective. I mean, I never yeah. really thought of it as, it's so obvious now, you know, it's like Brave New World, they're all back together, everything makes sense. But, yeah. you know, when they were in such in the wilderness and just that whole album, then you realize like, it wasn't like, oh, it's a good album, it's up there, the originals. It's like, no, they step up to the plate, you know, it's, it's, it's late in the game and they knock it out of the park. Yeah. And the four albums before that are like, uh, they are in a bit of a lull. And then when they come back with this, that strong of a reunion, like that mm. slingshotted them up, man. I think Maiden wouldn't be as big as they were if it wasn't for the the dip and then the huge surge co- of the comeback. That's right. It kind of catapulted them up to be bigger than ever. Yeah. Anyway, another cool email. Mm. Uh, David Roberts says... Never hated the cover, but it's also not my favorite. Mm. However, I adore The Wicker Man, and the Christopher Lee version of the film is one of my all-time favorite films. So I can't remember. Did we even talk about The Wicker Man films? We did a whole episode on The Wicker Man. Yeah, you brought up um, kind of the concept, and it was going to be the, the, uh, the name of the album, and there was a bunch of stuff like that. And then there was something to do with the movie. I don't know. I can't remember now. <laughs> so long ago. Because <laughs> I watched the 73 version and the 2006 version of The Wicker Man. Yeah. So the 73 version is like a classic. Like a really classic horror movie. Like, well, I guess you'd call it a horror. It's uh, 
it's really cool. And then there's the 2006 Nicolas Cage version, which I also love for very, very different reasons because it's like super cheesy. Yeah. But uh, I watched both of those recently, both Wicker Men movies. Yeah. I want to interject on that. I, I rewatched Community. And for anyone, like I'm a Rick and Morty slash Community fan. Love, love the two of them. I really do. I never talked about that. I talked about Rick and Morty, but I love Community. And um, they do like a bit on uh, Nicolas Cage, right? It's like, is he good? Is he is he is he a good actor? Is he a bad actor? And there's an episode on it, and it's like because he goes so back and forth. Anyway, you'd enjoy it if you enjoy that movie. Then you would enjoy this. Yeah, I find him uh, pretty hilarious in that movie. Yeah, um, and then we got a audio call from our buddy we were talking about earlier, Luke Callanan, who did our uh, pictures of Eddie for the podcast. He called in and left a message about Brave New World. This was before we covered the album, so. We've been sitting on this clip for a while. Hey guys, it's uh, Luke calling in from China about Brave New World, my favorite and what I think is the best Iron Maiden album, but of course, best is subjective. It's the first album that I really got into, the first one I owned uh, that I bought myself on CD. Before that, I was a fan, but mostly just knew some of the hits and a few of some of the lesser known tracks. And I always liked Maiden, but when I bought this in 2000, uh, that's what really turned me, solidified my love for Maiden. I bought it at uh, CHMR, which was the local university's radio station, student-run station. They just had a bin outside at uh, university for five bucks, um, promo CDs. They were just selling them off, and Iron Maiden's Brave New World was in there. So I picked it up, and that summer, I had it in heavy rotation. I was working a data entry sort of part-time job, and um, we could wear our headphones and listen to whatever we wanted. So I always had that on and pass it around, too, to my coworkers. We shared CDs. So hopefully I made a few more Maiden fans out of it. My favorite track is probably Wicker Man, the opener. And although I do prefer the radio version with the extra vocal bit in the chorus that Nesbitt put me on to. Uh, so thanks for that. When I listen to the album version now, it feels like there's something missing. So I wish that they'd uh, gone with the, the radio edit version. Not sure why. Maybe Nesbitt will get into that. Um, and I also like the closing track. I think it's a great way to close out the album. It's got some wailing chorus vocals from Bruce. And uh, I think it concludes well um, the, the, the mood and the vibe of that song, Thin Line Between Love and Hate. And to conclude my call, uh, I want to do a Nesbitt. I've got a quote that I looked up um, from NME, New Musical Express. It's a British music site. And I mean, I guess this was at the time when the album first came out. Uh, they gave an extremely unfavorable review uh, reading from Wikipedia. They argued that the, band's, the band was past past it um they said quote dismissal of the outside world which kept them safe all those years now leaves them looking rather obsolete end quote the magazine compared the band to more contemporary acts such as corn and slipknot and felt iron maiden were quote no longer the high priests of the black arts and seem almost innocent by comparison end quote now where is corn today (laughs) that's hilarious (laughs) sticks the knife in and twists it i love it yeah that's great. Man. It's true. Like, yeah, that's awesome. That's Luke. Luke did. Um, <laughs> Luke's been in China this whole time, and uh, it's bittersweet for me to listen to that because uh, Luke always comes home in the summer, and a lot of times he like crashes at my place for, you know, usually he's around for like a month, six weeks, and he'll crash it for a week or two. If I go away, he'll he'll take the place the whole time, and he'll spend time with his family, and we spend a lot of time cooking and just hanging out and drinking beer, and. Uh, yeah, he's been so good to the podcast. He did all our podcast art, and he did the Made in China episode with us. But it's bittersweet to hear that because he's not going to get home this year because of what's going on. Um, but uh, it'd be great to see him and have him back. But he's always been a huge fan. Yeah, yeah. I love when like people go back and dig out old reviews. Like, there's so many reviews trashing Led Zeppelin when they first came out. Yeah, and I love going back and reading those. Yeah. Here's another one. Okay, this is from Kale McLeish. I think is the way you pronounce it. He says, hi, guys. I remember back in the Final Frontier episodes when you talked about the title track and coming home and loving the little references to the back catalog. I listened to Wicker Man constantly, but after listening to your quote from Bruce about the meaning of the song, I can't help but feel that the line, hallowed to eternity, you live for every breath, may be a nod to the original Bruce era, as in a nod to hallowed be thy name and from here to eternity, from his first and last albums in his original, original tenure. It may just be my reading here, but I'd love to hear your thoughts either way. Ooh. That's cool. He does say, that hallowed is... to eternity, you live for every breath. 
That Hello is, to Eternity. Yeah. That is excellent. I never noticed that before. But that's cool. That is a gem. I yeah. think he nailed it. Yeah, I think so too. Wow. I never really picked up on that, but that's cool. I, uh, I'll yeah. listen to that line totally different from now on. Did he just nail it, or is this just some crazy dream? <laughs> that, that's deadly. I love that, man. That's excellent. Yeah. Oh, man, that's we were, good. We were talking about that on Tyranny of Souls, how there's a few like maiden things. And in Coming Home, he's like referring to that lyric that's through the dark Atlantic over Mariner's stormy graves. Yeah. He mentions Mariner's. And in Final Frontier, he says something about Icarus, like Icarus before me. So, I don't know. That's cool, though. A few throwbacks. Yeah. Name But drops. I never noticed that. I mean, I know the mm. lyric, but... Uh... Oh, that's something else I saw on Facebook is uh, Hallowed is the way you pronounce it. Uh, and there's a whole bunch of people on there, and they're like, how come Nesbitt always says Hallowed? Yeah, Nesbitt, what are you doing? And I'm like, I don't know why I do that. Yeah. I always say Hallowed. I say Hallowed every other time. It's just for some reason that song, I always say Hallowed be thy name. I don't know why. Yeah. But that's the only time that I say yeah. Hallowed with yeah. that extra syllable. It's only when I'm talking about that song. And yeah. I don't know why. That's strange. I know. I it's was the same, probably the same reason I always say Nico instead of Nico, and it's been yeah. three years of doing a podcast. I do that I still, too. I know it's Nico, but I still say Nico yeah. all the time. Yeah, so. and what is it, Yannick Gears, Gers, whatever? Gears. So, yeah. <laughs> um, so I'll probably keep saying Hallowed be thy name without noticing it, but I don't know why. I don't know. That's weird. We're Newfoundlanders. We're supposed to be given a, yeah. a fair bit of leeway <laughs> on this stuff. Yeah, and people used to always talk about how fast we talk. Yeah. Which I guess people got used to. Or else we slowed down. I don't know. Um, I got another email. Uh says, I have always thought Brave New World was a concept album about the future. The songs all seem to share this theme to me. And that is from Rachel. And I remember me and you kind of argued about this on the Brave New World thing. And I yeah. always say that it takes more than just a running theme to make a concept album. Yeah. Like, I don't even think Seventh Son is a fully realized concept album. It is sort of. Um, I've actually got a quote here from Bruce Dickinson, which I think I read in the podcast before. Mm -hmm. And he says, uh, I guess what I found strange is that we took the album to a certain point and it never got developed any further. He's talking about Seventh Son. And in the same year, while we're in the midst of mixing, I heard some advanced tracks from Queensryche Operation Mindcrime and was blown away. And I remember thinking I was driving down a street through a park in Germany and these four tracks from Mindcrime and then stopped the car and sat there with my head in my hands and thought they had made the album that we should have made. Seventh Son should be this and could be this if only we'd for forced it, if only we'd thought it through and sat down and planned it and discussed it. You don't make a concept album like that in five minutes. You don't just loosely glue together a few things and say, okay, that's a concept album. So that was my feeling. I was proud of it, but there's always this thought, God damn it, artistically, we were in second place. So, yeah. That's a, that's a great comment from a guy who then does fear no prayer and balls to Picasso. <laughs> you know, <laughs> if only we'd have taken the time. But, um, yeah. you know, yeah, that's fair enough. I don't know. I, I think the concept thing, I mean, we've done this uh, a lot. But, I mean, the concept yeah. thing to me, I've got a new perspective on it recently. It's yeah. the lens at which you look at the album, right? So for yeah, Seven Sun, for me, it feels really cohesive. Um, I look yeah, at it. it feels from, like yeah. a concept album to me, too. Yeah. But. I don't know. Not um, like, I always think of like, you know how the wall tells a story and all the songs kind of tie in. Yeah. But like if anything, the, the, the yeah. fall, the, the problem with the wall is it's almost too, it's too transparent. It's almost oh, it's too literal. bloated too. I, yeah. think. I don't know. Anyway. And there's so many <laughs> versions in this. The, the, not get into Pink Floyd. <laughs> you know. Oh. Um, how many more of these should I go? We've got a ton of them here. Um, I got one more email we'll get into because we're kind of at an hour now. This is uh, about Brave New World. It's from Matt in New Brunswick. And he says, that's New Brunswick, Canada. He says, hey, guys, I love the show. I love the beer talk. I have a story about Maiden kicking off the Ed Hunter tour in St. John, New Brunswick. I live in Fredericton, and for reasons I'm still kicking myself for, I didn't go to that show at Harbor Station. But I have a friend who lived in St. John at the time, and while Maiden was there in the city rehearsing, they'd spend their evenings in the local pubs. My friend Andy got to hang out with the band and have beers with them while they watched musicians play at O'Leary's Pub's open mic night. 
Whenever we're hanging out and the topic of Maiden comes up, he's quick to remind me of that story. A pretty cool New Brunswick connection to one of the greatest bands of all time. Keep doing what you're doing, Matt. Oh, that's deadly. So, that's cool. I know exactly where that pub is in St. John, too. Yeah, I've been there. Um, we got another email uh, from Three from Atlanta. It says, I, I've really been enjoying the Brave New World review episodes, especially the single episode dedicated to the Wicker Man. I know the drumming on this album has been getting a lot of love, but I was hoping that you guys would highlight Nico on The Mercenary. Again, we have different tempos on this track, similar to other tracks, as Nesbitt pointed out. Nico also does a bunch of cool fills and rolls, especially some quick foot pedal work. Heck, he even gets an entire bar to himself on the track. I agreed with all your takes on this song, but the drumming is what elevates this from filler to a solid rocker. Imagine this on Virtual Eleven when it was written, and I don't see Nico doing anything as creative. So, The Mercenary... Totally underrated song. That's a good take. I yeah. think that's fair. Maybe a little weak in the chorus, but I think overall, that's one of the songs that I kind of never paid that much attention to until we reviewed the album. Yeah, and it's it's a yeah. tough spot too, right? You know, um, follows Blood Brothers and, and people just kind of, I don't know. You're so worked yeah. up. I like it. I thought we gave I it a it. pretty good send. Uh, send uh, I, I mean, I love yeah. everything in Brave New World. Yeah, me too. But I, I, I love that. I love that. Yeah. Uh, Here's a, another clip of Nico's drumming from The Mercenary, just because uh, we're just talking about it. And it is so awesome. And maybe we didn't talk about the drumming on that track enough, but here's a clip. So yeah, that's uh, that's the mercenary, which is uh, I think underrated on Brave New World. Yeah, well, I don't know if it's underrated. I guess maybe because there's so many amazing classics to stand out. But... Yeah, that's about all the you know Brave New World that we'll get into now. Yeah. Uh, one thing I did want to I have been put like meaning to bring this up a few times, and this is a band that was recommended to us. Uh, from Jose, and he says, I don't know if these bands have been mentioned before in the podcast. I've heard you guys are always looking for new bands that share similar quality to Maidens. Uh, another band is Enforcer. They're great. A song I suggest is Destroyer. The album's called From Beyond. So this is another recommendation that we got from another listener. Um, I listened to the song, loved it, listened to the album and loved it. I actually ordered a copy of this album. Oh, yeah, that's awesome. Anyway, I, got, I ordered that uh, album. Interesting. Pretty cool. I think they're Swedish. It's funny. There's so many things I want to talk about on the podcast, and we get all these emails, and then I'm always like, oh, we forgot this one. We forgot this one. I mean, I've got – we could do, you know, three more hours just on band recommendations that people sent in. <laughs> yeah. So it's uh, at, this, at some point you have to be like, we're not going to get to all this stuff. Yeah. And all the emails. i got a ton of emails here. I picked out some emails from – Brave New World and put them in here for this episode. And we only got through half of those. And we're like over an hour now. <laughs> I know. But we appreciate everybody emailing in. So that's all uh, the emails we're going to get to now. Um, we've got Jarvis Leatherby's coming on the podcast next week. So that's uh, going to be, we'll talk about some Maiden stuff. And I think he has uh, some news. And after that, we're going to get into basically, like we were talking about going back and revisiting all these albums again, like Remember somewhere in time we did two episodes? Yep. And they're both under an hour. I think one of them is like 45 minutes. Yeah. And we were talking about going back and revisiting all the albums. And what I think we're going to do is we're going to go through the entire Maiden discography, starting at maybe the Soundhouse tapes. Mm -hmm. And we'll just kind of do a recap of every single album and what we talked about, our takeaways, you know, play a few clips, 
talk about how our opinions change of the albums while we're talking about it and go through the entire Maiden discography right up to Book of Souls. Yep. And then after that, we'll do an episode of ranking our albums. That's right. So we're going to go through all the albums, talk about them all, and then rank them. And then uh, we might do an episode or two after that to Mm. wrap up. And I think we're going to take a break after that. Yeah. We're more or less, well, we've covered. We've done it. We've done the Talking Maiden. We've covered um, everything we set out to do. We have done every single album. And every single song and every single B-side. Yeah. You know, I know there's some live albums and some side projects and stuff that we didn't really get to, but I think we did a pretty good job of covering Maiden. So. Yeah, and we, we hit yeah. we hit all the key live stuff and, and then the live clips and tied it into the into the albums and all that. And, um, yeah, so we've more or less covered everything. So we're, we're kind of at the stage now where, you know, we're sitting here. Do we go down a rabbit hole? Do we go somewhere else? But as we've kind of discuss with our as our listeners and stuff like we're more or less going to put a bookend on our body work as it stands now um iron maiden are not done so you know that doesn't mean we won't cover stuff in the future but i think i personally like you know as we've talked about the podcast i feel like i'm getting the point now where i've given my opinion on all of it and i love it and i've learned so much about iron maiden this journey but also at the same time, I don't want to. I don't want to spend my like the skunk works and stuff like this is all fun. But like that's <laughs> yeah. not. We've done so much great stuff. The early years stuff, you know, um, just well, just everything. The perspectives on Adrian the band, Yannick's value, all the high level amazing stuff, and the feedback we've gotten. Now we've got this huge uh, listener base that give us amazing information, and we've incorporated it and built it around. Um, you know, to go off on minutia and side projects and try and fill hours is not something I want to do. And I, we, we've kind of covered the the high level of, yeah, you know. Or, yeah. yeah. And I don't want to be, like, forcing you to listen to albums that you don't like and yeah. then dragging you on here and being like, what do you think of uh, you know, this ASAP album? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we've been through that. So, I, I you know, yeah. and, and I, there's been some great stuff there. Um, I love Iron Maiden so much, but I don't look at Iron Maiden from a perspective of I have to hear everything, have to have every little piece. I, I just want to, you know, enjoy it. Just like when, I, you know, I'm such a sports fan. I like to watch my favorite team and I like to watch them, but I don't go back and analyze every moment, the build up. I don't want to know who they played with in junior, all that stuff. Uh, so that's kind of the way I, I look at it. Not that I'm against that or, or have any issues with it. I just don't feel like um, it's as it's as compelling as talking about, you know, what are what is essentially the best rock band in the world, in my mind? Yeah, best metal band. Well, depending on how you define. and that's the thing too is there's, there's a few yeah. things I would have liked to do, and like there's a bunch of Blaze stuff I'd like to do, and I mentioned uh, all the stuff that I think we left out, and then I was like I could do some episodes by myself, but I'm not really into that, or I could get someone else like guest hosts to do uh, episodes, you know, as one offs and you know cover albums. But then I was like, Talking Maiden's like Nesbitt and Josh. It yeah. started as Nesbitt and Josh. And I think if either of us left, it wouldn't really be Talking Maiden anymore. Yeah. So I don't really want to like have this like awesome, you know, almost three years of podcast and then have a bunch of like weird one-off episodes at the end. Yeah. And it would be no fun. And I don't think I'd, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I, I, so, I, I think, uh, yeah, I mean, we, we've had a lot of discussions off here about this and I, yeah. I'm happy for you to do whatever. And uh, you know, I, I love talking Maiden. I love I love talking about Maiden. I don't love talking about Urchin. <laughs> like I like hearing an, an album about it and how it informs Maiden. We've kind of been around it. And we're like, no, this is what we do. We do Iron Maiden, and yeah. we love Iron Maiden. And you know, now we're kind of in a situation where you know we're in a pandemic. They're they're kind of stalled. We've covered the body of work. Yeah, I don't want to water it down. So uh, I think like you know, I don't want to water down our. Or, or catalog either like I look at it and I'm like what a body of work I'm really really proud of what we did but uh, we still have mm, we got a couple more episodes more. Yeah. coming up with news and then we have yeah. this discography review which I have a feeling is going to take a lot of episodes to get through <laughs> then we have our rankings and we'll probably do a couple of sum up episodes to clue stuff up then I the way I was trying to like because we're definitely going to come back if Maiden comes out with a new album so the way I was looking at it is like we're coming up to the end of like the main set with an encore down the road of like an encore of whatever the new Maiden album is. I've thought about that though. I was like, when when it comes, when the new album comes out, like it's going to be like, yeah, it's going to be so nerve wracking how to approach it. Cause we're going to need so much time, but people are going to want to hear from us right away. Yeah. So it's like, but it's we can do that. Like, we can do an initial yeah. impressions. We can do like, you know what I mean? Yeah. It'd be interesting. And then we'll do like a, a episode per track. <laughs> yeah. And I just want to go see him play again. 
It's going to be such a surreal experience to get back in a crowd and just enjoy it. Yeah, man, I'd do yeah. anything to be able to go see Maiden in a concert setting right now. Man, how much fun would that be? Yeah. You know? Man, we should really look into going to this like rescheduled European tour that they have. Yeah. 2021. Well, is that going to happen? <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. It's all up in the air, but yeah. something to think about. I'm going to Europe next year if I can. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway. that could be an option. Definitely. So next week we have Jarvis coming in. Yep. Excellent. So uh, we'll have some good maiden mm. discussion. And then we're going to get into this discography review. So I don't mm. know how long that's going to take. I have a feeling by the time we're going to get bogged down in clips and discussions. Yeah, maybe we should maybe one. we should cut it to to um, periods. I think we should just go through them. Yeah. It takes what it takes. But uh, that'll be a fun one to do. I'd like to go back and kind of rethink all this stuff. And then the rankings. So... So, all right, so if you got any feedback for us um, for the final run-through, especially, um, some, some good points that you want to highlight, like especially in those early ones, things we really missed that you want to fire in, TalkingMaiden.com slash talk. Send us an email, TalkingMaiden at gmail.com. Get us on Facebook. Um, yeah, we'd love to hear your opinions We as we kind of do this final lap through the albums. Yep. Yeah. So, that's it. Yeah. Right on. And I hope everyone out there is staying safe and uh, summer is uh, is going well for you. And in hindsight, yeah. looking back, this beer was excellent, eh, Nisbet? It was. I'm so sick of uh, saying uh, stay safe and people telling me to stay safe. Yeah. <laughs> Don't stay safe. Be dangerous. Take risks. You know what drives me crazy? Yeah. If I hear anyone say the, the phrase, the new normal, again, I'm going to like lose my mind. Yeah. Or if I hear someone say, we got this... I hate that expression. I always did, and I hear it all the time now, and I'm like, (laughs) shut up. Until next time, up the irons and down the ups. Bye.